Welcome to the award-winning Untitled Film Project podcast. And I can only say that legally because we're talking about what films won awards from the Music City Film Critics Association today. Oh, well done. Thank you. Uh, Slide that in there. Yeah, I've been working hard on that. What did we not know? (laughs) (laughs) There's no awards coming our way. Uh, But uh, we do have somebody that has come our way, Sean Atkins from the... uh, uh, Music City Film Critics Association, the president and also editor-in-chief, 615 Film. Sean, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here in this beautiful studio you have. Thank you. We uh, are going to get to find out who won the Music City Film Critics Association Awards for 2023. Sean is revealing those to us and to the world for the first time here. So we thank you for that. An exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And we're also going to have Sean join us in our big question, which today is... What movie have you not seen that, because you have not seen it, could get your credit card credit card that's hard to say credit card pulled dun 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 we're all gonna have to admit to something here that's right that's the point i've had mine in mind ever since you submitted that question too i already know okay it's it's like uh uh-oh all right there should be some lambasting going on which is always good radio it is certainly is Okay, it's award season, and uh, John has tabulated the votes for the Music City Film Critics Association here in Nashville, where we are based. Let's start with the actors, actors and actresses. Who did we love as best supporting actor this year? Thanks to his great performance in Everything Everywhere All at Once, it, the winner of this award was Ki Huai Kwan. I hope I pronounced that correctly. What did you think? of uh, Key's performance in Everything Everywhere. From the moment he turns into that agent of sorts with his fanny pack, I was locked into that, and I'm like, this is going to be a terrific performance. Very deserving of this. It was a very strong field with the other four in this category, but I think we chose the rightful winner here. Yeah, and and the great backstory of you know him leaving the movie industry mm-hmm for decades and then coming back with that great of a performance is uh, uh, a wonderful story. Not the reason we gave the award. I don't me personally, I voted for him, but uh, it's, it's just, it's gratifying for him as an actor. You see now him having this exposure again is leading to more projects for him as well. I mean, he's going to be in Loki. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a huge project getting into, getting into the MCU more multiverse stuff coming for him (laughs) dealing with loki but it's just so great to see when you look at his imdb and you see the gaps from 1997 a small role in 1992 in Cino man and then jump to the 2020s i mean that's really awesome to see and i'm so glad to see him back to to be able to just reclaim his spot in hollywood and to do that with such an incredible performance and a fantastic film that i'm so glad people didn't forget because it was a summer movie and not released during award season, mm-hmm. I'm so glad so many people just kept that hovering in their mind of how great of a film it was. I loved this movie it just, in general. I had a few issues with it. Of course I did, Bradford. I'm just going to say it for oh, you. Oh, I got a few issues with it. <laughs> Never heard that one before. Uh, Drink. Every- <laughs> Uh, but at the end of you playing the game, <laughs> at the end of the day, this is are. this is the movie on our final ballot that I voted for for best picture as well. So it's not um, it's not. 
you know, it, it doesn't surprise me, I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. That it got accolades other than, you know, acting performances because it was tremendous. Now, I want to bring up because if you just do a quick look on Google, you see there's a bunch of like one star reviews. I had a couple people want to post it about it. Say, oh, wow, you said it was really good. I'm going to go see it. And then they hated it. Is, is it a lack of understanding? What do you think turned into the, the people that did not appreciate this film? Why they probably didn't? Was it just not being into it or not getting it or was it a little too? I had, I had some people that come to me and admit to, I said, they, they said, I can't believe you told me to go see that movie. They were in the minority of the people mm-hmm. I talked right. to, but I think there was just something about that movie that, you know, maybe it was just too much. Yeah. My mom and dad turned it off after 20 minutes. Oh. <laughs> my heart sank a little bit, but uh, they didn't even get to Jamie Lee Curtis with her fingers and I, hot dog <laughs> fingers. I know. <laughs> Well, let's talk about actresses. Uh, let's go to Best Supporting Actress. Who won this year? Her outstanding dual performance in, a, in Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, it was Janelle Monet. Nice. I could not love that pick more. I can't argue with this pick at all. And this is the movie, uh, the project, where I just, I looked at her on the screen and I said, she's got it that movie star quality that I think is so elusive and so hard to explain, but when you see it, you know it. The thing that makes this, at least her winning this even more special, is that when I look at all the actors in the categories, best actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, this is the most stacked field. Because she was going up against Angela Bassett, Mm -hmm. Hong Chow, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Carrie Condon. You could easily make an argument for any of those four, along with Janelle Monet. And yeah. Tusum Beidou from The Woman King, who I was my number one performance <laughs> of anybody for the whole year, didn't even make the cut. So I agree with you that the, I mean, and I, I can't find anything wrong with those five that made the, the right. made the nominee for the Music City Film Critics Association, but I'm, I'm thrilled that, she, that Janelle Monet got the nod from us. All things considered, of course. You know, I, I unfortunately didn't have her in my top three in submitting my nominations ballot, but she would have been my four because I put Tusu Beto in number three instead yes. of Janelle Monet, and I voted for Angela Bassett because I just loved her performance so great. much. I mean, that's what drew me to Wakanda Forever was Angela mm-hmm. Bassett's performance, but as Sean said, it was stacked. This is a stacked category. There's so many to choose from. They didn't even make the final ballot mm-hmm. that had incredible performances. Let's uh, let's go to uh, best supporting or best actor, rather. Let's go to Best Actor. Who won this year in a, a very interesting race? For his career best performance from The Whale, it was Brendan Fraser, which um, I'm not going to lie. I think that was a, a little surprising to me. I didn't expect that either. Uh, although it was a tremendous performance, I didn't vote for him. Um, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, who'd you vote for, Jim? <sighs> this is... Uh, just, just say it. Come on. <laughs> Himself. Are you? Are you? To to me, this was uh, the weakest set of nominees. I agree with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't happy with anybody as as far as setting themselves apart from Mm -hmm. their colleagues. I forgot. (laughs) You have devices in front of you, Jim. Come on. (laughs) I will. I will say that this. I think this performance category was the most top heavy because we know. The three, the main three, Austin Butler, Elvis, Brandon Fraser, The Well, Colin Farrell, The Banshees of Inna Sharon. Since we are the Music City Film Critics Association, I thought that Austin Butler was going to win. That was my number one pick, too, but our association thought differently, though, and it wasn't close, I'll, I'll tell you that. Me, I remember after seeing The Whale, I recorded my whole critic review and everything, and I thought that Brandon Fraser should be at least considered, should be nominated, but I didn't think that he should 
win because I felt like there could be other performances. Well, when it came to the ballot and I saw it and went, well, I have to choose Brendan Fraser. It came down to that for me. I was trying to think of what to do because I thought Diego Calva had a great performance as well. Um, Austin Butler was fantastic, but I didn't want to do it just because he did a good job with Elvis. It's who and the conditions they were in, the type of role they were portraying, the the work they were doing with their supporting actors and actresses as well, too. I took all of that consideration. I went, well, I guess it is Brendan Fraser for me. I went with Diego Calva. I thought Babylon was a mess, but he was outstanding. I would put him in anything. I feel like you tweeted that. Based on that. Uh, <laughs> I think I replied to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I gave it to Colin Farrell. I mean, the guy is is great in whatever he does, but it was really an eeny, meeny, miny, mo in that category for me. He was tremendous as the penguin. <laughs> I mean, honestly, job. <laughs> you couldn't even tell it was him. Uh, this, this brings up a good question. Maybe now's not the time. We will get to it later or we'll just scrap it all together. But Brendan Fraser wins this award from the Music City Film Critics Association. Is he helped to that degree of accolade? Because his resume consists of Georgia the Jungle, Encino, Encino Man, Man Son-in-Law, <laughs> The Scout, Georgia the Jungle, Blast from the Past, Bedazzled Monkey Bone, you and have, then all of a sudden this guy comes into this picture and he's tremendous. You Is have it, to, you have to, I think, say that that's got to be in a lot of people's minds. And Dudley Do Right as well. Don't forget that. Thank you. That's right. I just I, I couldn't get that far. I was scrambling. Actually. <laughs> Don't snub that movie. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Well, I think story in Fair Play because we're human comes into so much of this of what has this actor overcome to get back into it. Not saying it's a lifetime achievement, but he did play a very difficult role. And he left acting, and not just because of that, but because of what his body went through from the Mummy mm-hmm. movies as well, that he was just broken. And so the story for him to come back and play this type of role and put this type of piece and performance together plays so much, I think, in the voting, and I'm totally okay with that because mm-hmm. it is worthy of winning. Sean, I mean, let's just, uh, be, as we jump off a little bit from the winners, as a critic, like your feelings personally, because I know everybody comes at this differently, but does uh, somebody's off-camera life and experience affect your opinion and voting? Personally, no. Um, but I mean, I know everyone is different in what they view and consider and goes into their thought process. For me, it's just what is the performance on the film? Outside noise or anything that happens outside, I will be informative of it, considerate of it, but I go, when I see the film, I'm sitting there watching to see what if the performance is worthy of an award or if it's good or bad or anything. So um, that's just from my point of view. So, I mean, this was a it was a good performance. I, I did not love the movie. I didn't think it was the best performance. Like I said, I, I voted for Austin Butler uh, in Best Actor, but I know everyone comes to this differently. And I think and I completely respect that. So. And so for for me with The Whale, I completely agree with Sean sitting there watching the film going, I don't really like this movie. But I like the performances. Like, it was crazy. I love Brendan Fraser. I love Sadie Sink. I love Hong Chow. I love all three of those performances mm-hmm. so, so much. Mm-hmm. But I did not like Darren Aronofsky's take on the film. I thought it was melodramatic in the blocking and the staging of the film so much. I didn't care for the film, but I love the performances. And that's, is that weird to love three actors' per- portrayals but not like the movie? No, I, I, think, I think it shows a keen eye by you to block out the, okay, this movie or screenplay or direction or visual effects, whatever it is, is less than ideal. We'll be nice about it. But these performances 
are still great. The fact that you can see that, because a lot of people can't see that past oh, that. Jeremy. Sorry, I didn't witness that, Sean. <laughs> let's, uh, before we get to best picture. Like, please let's move on. Let's, uh, we have a guest to impress. Let's get best actress. <laughs> Who is the winner from the, uh, the association this year? And a nail-biting vote when it came down to it. The winner of Best Actress was for her outstanding performance and very much worthy of this award, Michelle Yao and Everything Everywhere All at Once. What she did to portray all the aspects of herself, not only past, present, and as the movie progresses, but then in all the other multiverses that she had to perform in a different way. I mean, I heard her script itself had like 700 sticky notes, pictures were color-coded because mm-hmm. she had so much to change in every scene that, I mean, it was remarkable. So are we in a fantastic renaissance of Michelle Yeoh? Because she's been active in film for, what, three decades yeah. now? And we are seeing so many great pieces by her, great portrayals by her awesome films that she's been in and it's just you start seeing one after another it's like oh michelle yo's in this i've got to see that she's becoming that actress of i have to see the film she's in because i love what she's doing so much everyone knew her from two things which was she was a bond girl and yep. um crouching tiger hidden and dragon. crouching, crouching tiger, tiger hidden mm-hmm. dragon a couple years later but i also loved her portrayal in crazy rich asians yeah does this mean as, a, as an aside does this mean that Transformers: Rise of the Beast is going to be good because she's in it. Whoa, 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 whoa! I, Let's, this is wait. Right. Is the streak wait, wait. about to end? No, here, here's right. the bigger question: Is Michael Bay directing it? Well, this this is a side note. I will say that the new Transformers has test screened really well, but we'll see what happens well, with exciting. the final product. So, well, see, that's why I bring in the that's expert. Encouraging. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> Well, let's get to the uh, the best picture because uh, I think that's the one that everybody wanted to to know from every critics association. Who did the people in Music City that look at movies decide? What did they decide as best picture? The Music City Film Critics Association selected Everything Everywhere All at Once as this year's best picture winner. Yeah. So before we talk about this, was that everybody's vote in this room? Yes. It was, it was not. Mine. Not yours, Sean. Okay. Uh, the three regular hosts of the show said yes. Yeah. I voted for the Tollywood three-hour epic RRR. Which Interesting. was a tremendous film. Yes. But it didn't have the votes to get the award. It did not. What did it, you like about it? Just uh, tell us why you thought it could have been Best Picture. I think it has a little bit of everything, and especially if you're looking, especially for American audiences looking to go beyond our borders to watch films. Uh, This film has a little bit of everything. It's an action film. It's a romance film. It's a bromance film. It's a drama. It's a um, a history piece. Um, But it's just three hours of just everything. Not necessarily the kitchen sink, but it's just a little over the top, but enjoyable. It's a joyous experience. It was probably the best theatrical experience I had this year. Seeing this film with an audience made the film even more special. And I think it features the best sequence in any film this year, which was the Natu Natu dance sequence, which Natu Natu won best original song for us. And what we're seeing, too, is as cities become more diverse with immigrant populations and people coming in from other cultures as well, too, and movie theaters providing an opportunity to see this, it's providing a great opportunity for people that are not of that culture 
to experience these films in theaters. And that's what I think is so important that here locally in Nashville, there are two major theaters that are providing non-English language films and actually pushing them out there, not having multiple screens of these and not a only showing at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday uh, type <laughs> sure. of thing, but actually making it a full release in a theater. And it's great to see that because, for instance, Nashville here, we are continuing to grow and seeing so many people from different cultures come here. Let's make sure we have entertainment out there, but it's also going to draw people like us to go and see those types of films and spread the word on it as well, too. And I think that's so, so important with film that not everything has to be an American-made product when it comes to film. To be good. To be good. Yeah. And and entertaining, entertaining also. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, example being everything, everywhere, all at once mm-hmm. is the best picture. We're talking a lot about, uh, you know, one of the other nominees. But both of these pictures are not your traditional Hollywood exports. Sure. But everything, everywhere, all at once is not considered an international film. Is that correct? Correct. It's an American film. So True. But so, it's also an independent film. It is. Yes, that's true. So that's another, yeah. that's a huge push right there. That's true. And it's not coming from a major it's in a studio. big studio, yeah. yeah. When we talk about box office in 2022, the two films that come to mind are Top Gun Maverick and The Legs It Had. We saw people go throughout the summer to see this yeah. film. Then this past holiday season, and even right now, we're seeing people going to see Avatar The Way of Water. But this film, an indie film to make over $100 million, is unheard of, especially milestone. us coming out of the pandemic, mostly. And for an indie studio like A24, it's never had a $100 million box office grocer to do what this did back earlier in the year and the legs that it had it's a remarkable achievement so sean looking at this too and there were 11 nominees because there were tie mm-hmm. and everything which is really big for the association as well to have so many nominees and a very eclectic choice as well of movies from multiple genres international films everything of the sort there too what does it say about the association to have such an eclectic taste in terms of having that many different types of films in the the final ballot I think it speaks to um, not just to being eclectic, but just the year 2022 just being so diverse in the types of films that we got that were exceptional to not just our members, but I think movie going in general. You know, we're still trying to recover from the pandemic with the box office and going to movies, and we're still trying to figure out what films work, which ones don't. But everything from we saw dramas, a music biopic, to um, everything, everywhere, all at once, stop motion animation with Pinocchio, to a horror film and Nope, and we talked about RR and stuff like The Fablemans and Banshees of Inisherin, and then the big blockbuster, the movie talked about the most this year, Top Gun Maverick. I think it just speaks to how diverse and exceptional the year was, and that's a that's a great thing to see. Um, and I think our members did a great job when they were filling out their nominee ballots and sitting down and thinking, what are the best films I saw this year? and then ranking them and then submitting them. And it was great to see when the ballots were starting to come in and just, wow, the diversity and everything. It's not the same, like, ten dramas or eight dramas and two comedies. It it really was a truly diverse group of films and probably the most diverse in the five years the association has been around. So I'm very proud of that. I think it was a year that because we're still recovering from the pandemic and studios not knowing what to do with films and holding on to them or the films were held up, I think that that made an opening for release of films that maybe wouldn't have gotten the attention Mm -hmm. uh, that they would other years when we're filled with blockbusters and we're filled with, uh, you know, popcorn movies. So this weird year uh, that 2022 was 
I, I think, gave an opportunity to some people that might not have gotten the exposure otherwise. We see so many things happening right now with streaming services, but also having many theatrical releases. Glass Onion, for instance, Pinocchio had yeah. very limited releases in theaters. Just to, uh, they got in theaters. And then, oh, you got to come subscribe to us. How are we going to see Hollywood continue to adapt this way? Because, for instance, like us, it has to be a theatrical release mm-hmm. for, for it to be nominated. And I'm sure we're not the only association I tried. that is like that. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you told me. <laughs> but it's going to be curious to see how Hollywood adapts to this with streaming services as well. Because there's so many films, I think, that now sometimes get released directly to streaming that could have had it. Or Glass Onion could have had a longer run in a theater as well, too. So how, Sean, we'll start with you. Do you think this is going to affect the nature of how things get released, especially post-pandemic? I think so, because I think the idea of releasing a film on streaming only first, and if it costs $100 million plus to make, it's just not a good good business practice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you're... When you're leaving a lot of money on the table, um, I think Netflix in particular lost money on Glass Onion. They should have done this up until release date to have it in theaters, but they did it for one week. They did it as more of a um, a marketing stunt to make sure people go um, subscribe to Netflix to see it. Um, You saw, I think, uh, Disney Plus. I think they missed out on um, Hocus Pocus 2. They should have put that in theaters. It might have not made like $200 million, but it would have made some money back. I think Um, it would have made... You know, close to a hundred. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think studios are re-strategizing, rethinking what works. Um, it's not sustainable to put out expensive films on your streaming platform first, or maybe there are some films in particular that maybe they were going to go to streaming, but let's 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 get back and let's look at the film. Would it perform? A big ex- a best example of this is two films. One that came out back in October was Smile. With uh, Paramount Pictures, I don't know if y'all yeah. remember that the horror film um, that was originally supposed to be a Paramount Plus original film. Test screenings were through the roof, and Paramount reversed course a month before they were supposed to put it on the streamer and put in theaters. And that film, biggest horror movie of the year. Um, we're seeing this now here in a couple months with um, Warner Brothers. They were originally going to put the new Evil Dead movie on HBO Max. Test screened through the roof, and they were like, you know what? Why don't we put this in theaters first? It didn't cost as much. Horror movies don't cost as much. So um, I think we're going to see these studios scale back, reconsider. Maybe our streaming platforms are not the way to make a profit or where to drive subscription because I think ultimately you got to get the film in the theater first and then that can drive subscribers later if they want to watch it later when it comes onto the streaming service after a theatrical run. So Right. I got to say, though, I, I work in marketing for a nonprofit and I will also say that had I been consulted, which I never would be, but had I been consulted by Netflix, I would have recommended the same because I think a week in theaters wets that palate enough, wets the appetite enough to go, okay, it's a teaser. I get to go see it on the big screen. Glass onion we're talking about, of course. I get to go see it on the big screen, and if I don't, if I miss it, then I've got to watch it on Netflix. Or, like myself, who saw it on the big screen, and then was pumped to go see it again so I could figure out and see all the clues along the way. Definitely I, a no, second I already had watch a Netflix movie. subscription, but I'm saying that that would motivate someone to go get Netflix, I think. Or keep it. Or keep with, it. Uh, with For an sure. era of where people are deciding I can't have all of them. But if you but if but to Sean's point, I think if you let Netflix have if you if Netflix puts it in the theaters until it's released on Netflix, there's no sense of urgency to go see it. So that you lose that. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's a week before, and then you got to wait. Was it three weeks? 
Yeah, three or four three weeks, weeks like yes, to, to, until So you had to see it then. And then yep. all of a sudden, it was like, my wife and I went. We tried to go twice. Because it, <laughs> and it was sold out both times. So, but if I think if it was just an extended release, until there wouldn't have been that demand. I okay, with that though, then we start talking about the movie theater industry and how are they going to be saying, "Hey, this movie made a bunch of money. We we're missing out on patrons coming to our point. theaters because you're pulling it from here. We only a week. That's not enough time for people to be able to see this movie. We want people coming in butts and seats, right? That's a good point. Because the yeah. theaters were chomping at the bit. They were asking Netflix, "Can you extend mm-hmm. the release or the rollout of Glass Onion?" Because the booking was just through the roof. I went and saw this Thanksgiving afternoon, and it was a sold-out showing. I could not believe this. I figured, you know what, maybe there'll be one <laughs> sellout, and it'd be like 7 o'clock, everyone gets their Thanksgiving grubbing, then they go to the theater with the family. Yeah. And no, I went right in the middle of the afternoon on Thanksgiving, and the theater was packed. They're all packed. Yeah, it was just, it was unbelievable. And they they left money on the table, a lot of money. And they gave Ryan Johnson almost a bil- half a billion dollars to make two nights out sequels. So to really quickly get back to the awards, Sean, were there anything, there's so many categories here, is there anything that surprised you? The one that surprised me, are, and you're talking about winners? Yes, winners. I, yes. For winners, I think the one that surprised me the most, and I, it wouldn't be as big of a surprise to me as I think it would be to other people, but I think Note winning Best Horror Film surprised uh, some people. It didn't for me, but in general, I think a lot of people when I talk to that have seen Note wouldn't exactly categorize it as a horror film, but I do think it is a horror film. Um, yeah. It plays out very much like Jaws, which I also consider as a horror film. So. Uh, true. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I like and, that kind of, yeah. and when it came out, exactly, that's uh, what I said on the podcast, which is like, this is when Spielberg went slight horror with Jaws. I felt this was Jordan Peele's next evolution. I considered it horror. Jeremy Gover, you did not. I did not because maybe that's personal baggage because I don't like the horror genre very much. I don't take to it very often. I wouldn't call Nope a horror film because to me there was no well there was the the scene the scene with the kids okay but it was like more like a, it was more of a red herring type of like okay well you're expecting some jump scares some creepiness so let's give you some of that people getting eaten isn't enough for you no because it wasn't because it what you didn't see it ha- I don't know I, Gordy I, what's that uh, the Gordy, Gordy scene, scene with the, the uh, yeah, I don't yeah. no the, the the monkey scene seen it enough the, the monkey <laughs> the monkey scene is but it, I, I don't know I, I just didn't rest in peace Harambe well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sean, you can you can uh, make another analogy to Jaws with Nope, mm-hmm. in that you know Steven Spielberg made the most of Jaws by not showing yes. much mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. violence, and it was what he didn't show. And I think Jordan Peele did the same in Nope. That's fair. He he so selectively mm-hmm. showed you what uh, was horrifying and let your mind fill in the rest which to me is the mark of a great horror film. Where can people find the uh, the winner's list most easily for uh, the Music City Film Critics Association Awards? They can find it on our Twitter page at MCFCA615. Uh, we also have a Facebook page called Music City Film Critics Association. Excellent. So any we didn't get to, you can check out there. Uh, let's talk about best music film. We are in Music City. That's part of our name in this uh, organization. What won Best Music Film? Best Music Film, I don't think, was a surprise to anyone, even though we had a very strong group of films. 
and this film that won was Elvis. I'm not an Elvis fan, and I walked out of the film thoroughly entertained. And if I go to see a music biopic, one of the things that I want to see as a moviegoer is I want to learn something about that person that I maybe didn't know before or, or something that, that maybe shapes my opinion of it. You know, and I'll, say, I'll, I'll go the polar opposite while very entertaining because I, you know, she's a tremendous talent. The biopic for Whitney Houston did not tell me anything. It was mm-hmm. just like going to see a review in Vegas of all her great music. So, Jim, what did you learn from the Weird Al biopic? I learned that everything in it was fake and false and funny as hell. Okay, while we're talking about the best of things, before we move on. There is a flip side to that. There is a flip side of the worst of things. So a question for the group of... What's the worst film you saw Ooh, this year? A delicious question. <laughs> a delicious question. Do you want me to go first while y'all are thinking? Because I kind of yeah. sprung this on everybody. Yeah, definitely. Justin okay. Bradford. The one for me is Moonfall. I mean, <laughs> Moonfall just easily right at the was top. That in, was that in 2022? That was 2022. Mm-hmm. It was in it the was. theater? Yeah. For like a week or whatever? Yeah. Like two weeks, I think. And then yeah, people yeah. like, oh, nope, 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 nope. I would either go Jurassic World Dominion, uh, which I think they failed that franchise they did. greatly. It is a tie for me for worst film of the year between that and um, Morbius. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. And it frustrates me that Jurassic World Dominion was the top three grossing film of 2022. Well, dinosaurs. Everybody loves I know everybody was expecting. It was the end of it, right? So the expectations were there to have a good wrap-up. People wanted to see it, and then you failed us. It's a good wrap-up for their wallets. Yeah, uh, exactly. (laughs) This is Jim, and I'm just going to throw out an honorable mention to Black Adam. Which uh, I thought was, uh, man, there was a lot of money thrown at that film, and it was, uh, I think, done so poorly. Remember the hate I was getting on our Instagram reel yes. for my, my talk about the glorious. rock and the casting for it? <laughs> oh, and what's happened now? Yeah, <laughs> Music sure. over, what's one of yours? It's, he took it Morbius, for sure. Okay. Uh, I was so excited. Why? Jared, Why were you listen, excited? Listen, because oh, I'm about to tell you. <laughs> okay. Because you got Jared Leto. And why would that excite uh, well, you? Well, I'm getting to that. Thank <laughs> you. I'm about to tell you. You just get to it. Uh, <laughs> you're, I, I, you're I thought, oh, this going to break the equipment. This guy who, he's, he's maligned, okay, but his his acting chops are solid. And so, okay, uh-huh. they're going to bring this guy to this to the MCU. I thought it was MCU connected, first of all. They marketed yeah. it like it was. Well, first failing. Like, yeah. right, no, right. But I thought it was like, okay, this is going to be a little cool. Maybe this is how they introduce Spider-Man and Venom to the thing. You know, like I thought, okay, this is where it's all going to be. And it was just so bad. To me, one of my favorite sports this year was, uh, you know, just trying to guess how many times they're going to try to re-release the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Do it again. Try it again. See if you can get even lower. It's it's when the studio doesn't realize that you you become a meme on Twitter. Right. (laughs) I actually think they banked on that, actually. Yeah, it didn't work. Nope, but but I think that's what they were You're right. I think somebody somebody sold them on that. They're like, hey, we need to recoup some costs here. Yeah. So any kind of re-imaging of any kind. And the movie theater's like, please stop. Stop, please. We we can't selling a popcorn to make up for this. <laughs> so usually this question is just the three of us, and then you as the listener, you can weigh in on Twitter or, you know, social media channels. It's a big conversation for the room. We like to have the talks about movies, and the, there's no better way, especially if you haven't seen the movie we were talking about of the episode, 
you can still always usually relate to the question that we've thrown out. In this case, we actually have a guest in studio. Sean Atkins of the Music City Film Critics Association is here. And so we're going to bring him into the discussion. We thought this was a perfect one for him because he is the president of the Music City Film Critics Association. <laughs> what movie have you not seen that once people know that could get your credit card pulled? <laughs> so you basically have Wait, to be very vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, this, this is definitely, uh, how much did you cringe when you saw this question? I, I I had to go and look through some films to like I, I didn't cringe I just like all right what what's one what's one what did I but 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 I did find one so all right well all right. Sean Excellent. why don't you kick us off what uh, film have you not seen that would make maybe a room full of critics go what yeah well I so I have seen a number of James Stewart movies uh, James Stewart is probably one of the five best actors to ever walk on any stage in Hollywood, but there is one James Stewart movie I've never seen, and that is Rear Window. Mm. Um, wow. Hitchcock classic. Yeah, I've never seen it, but um, there there was a similar film that came out back in the uh, the mid-2000s, Disturbia, that is yes. just like it. And that? I love that movie. So, Did you it, ever see the Simpsons episode where Bart couldn't yeah. leave the house? <laughs> yeah, was good. I have not. I need, uh, to, I need to go and look yeah. that one up. <laughs> so, yeah, that movie has just become such a big part of our cultural landscape, mm-hmm. and, and you, you missed it. Yeah, but I, I, I love James Stewart. Uh, I've seen a number of his films. One of the best actors of all time. So, yeah, that, that's mine. Has it motivated you to now seek it out? Yes, I uh, I have plenty of Apple credits, so I think I'm going to go rent it. And, uh. Jim, let's go to you next. Uh, I did the same thing as Sean. Is I I looked through you know what were you know the most noteworthy movies of all time, and the one that stood out to me is The Graduate, starring Ooh. Dustin Hoffman. Ooh. That movie has been uh, you know hailed as as just a you know an iconic movie. And I must admit, you know, when it came out in theaters, I wasn't, you know, I was young. I didn't go. Um, and it wasn't for me. Uh, so I saw it on video, maybe 15 minutes of it. Mm -hmm. And I had heard so much about it as I watched it, maybe 15 minutes. I shut it off. Uh, I, I, I didn't find it enjoyable. Uh, I, perhaps it was destroyed by the, what the hype was before that, but I'm like, wow, guy gets seduced by, you know, an older woman as he gets out of college. And, you know, and I just, Dustin Hoffman, also a, you know, one of our best actors ever. Uh, I just, I said, no, I'm not, I don't want to. <laughs> well, you at least attempted the film. I tried. Okay. So that's not, yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's, just, is that worse than missing it though? Turning it off. It is. Okay. But I just want to make yeah. sure that <laughs> yeah, it, it was noted that you at least tried to get it. All right, good. You've, you've like cemented the fact that I suck for it, doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Gover, and uh, I, I also, like you guys, went to, to do some research to make sure that I hadn't you know missed anything. I had a I had one answer, and I was like, okay, I need to go double check. Air Bud. No. Oh. Uh, so, I went, so I went to AFI's Top 100 Movies of All Time, Yeah, and I've never seen number one. Which Citizen is. Kane. Wow. Citizen Kane, man, that is a really good one there. I've bought it. 
Mm-hmm. It's been in my Apple iTunes oh. library for six, seven years. So you, but I have never it. have. <laughs> yes, but I have never actually said, you know what? Let's hit play on this, and let me take two hours. That's never happened. Okay, so what's worse, buying it and not playing it, or starting it and stopping it? <laughs> I, I, at the very least, we are at equal levels of suckage. Yes. Well, I'm about to add to that. All right. Oh, I can't wait <laughs> well, for this. But this, 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 this big question absolutely uh, set us up for for looking terrible, Justin Bradford, <laughs> but, uh, which we never need any help with. I know, way. like we needed, uh, yeah. Well, if anything, it'll motivate us, right, to potentially watch these films. Maybe we do an episode on films we hadn't watched before that are in the AFI Top 100. I would love that. Sure. See content, content. Great okay. idea, man. For me, it's The Godfather Part Two. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. See the reaction yeah. I just got from all three of you. Yeah. So if anybody hasn't watched, uh, you know, The Godfather Part Two, you know, I, I think it follows wh- what some people have their opinion of Star Wars, which is the best film. Yeah. Was the second film. Yes. The mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back, and I, probably because it's of that time frame and era too. But the Last uh, Jedi. Don't forget the Last Jedi. And, uh, <laughs> okay, go for it. Last Jedi. Right. Have stand up. Just get out. <laughs> so uh why haven't you seen it justin i've just never have come to the ability to do it no no conscious decision not conscious decisions it It was just one of those things where it just has never come up because it's one of those things i wasn't alive when it came out in theaters it's not something that's always played on tv and it just never came to me i saw the first one but it never was one of those things where i wanted three and a half hours to go and watch that one. See, and it is a commitment sometimes. It's a, it's a time commitment. It for sure is a commitment. You but have, I know you I have need to. to. Like, it's one of those things in the back of my head. Like, I know I need to. I just haven't because there's been so many other things that always keep prioritizing. Dude, over. same with Citizen Kane. I, I know. freaking bought you it. I, it's in my library. I've just never been like, I don't know, you better buckle down for two and a half hours and watch this I'm epic trying to film. keep it nice, so I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> so all of us lose our cards that we didn't have. That's right. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you so much for uh, joining the uh, Untitled Film Project podcast. Special guest and special thanks to uh, the president of the Music City Film Critics Association, Sean Atkins, for revealing uh, the awards that uh, Nashville area critics have uh, decided were the, the best in film this year. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, I, ho- I hope you'll come back again. Oh, I will. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we didn't lose our cards. Yay! Yay! <laughs> For anybody who has uh, definitely uh, disagreed with anything we've said or agreed or maybe something we just plain left out that why, uh, people can reach out to us on uh, various social medias. Where do they do that, Justin Bradford? Yeah, thanks to uh, Elon reverting back you on social media on Twitter. You can find our link tree on Twitter uh, <laughs> and find all of our social media platforms. You know, hold on a second. <laughs> you know, it's every time I find an opportunity to drill in the True Lies Blu-ray has not been done by James Cameron. It's the same exact level of commitment that this guy does if he can slam Elon Musk on Twitter. I just want to make sure that is said. It, I'm not his PR guy. I'm just simply saying that I've noticed As this. someone who manages multiple social media accounts, when they first came out with the thing of you can't promote oh, any other links, I was like, what? But That's you, a good decision. What? You consciously worked it into the outro of this episode. That's what I'm marveling it, at. Because it's a LinkedIn. It's it, not LinkedIn. LinkedIn. The link tree. It's the link tree. Go to the link tree on any of our profiles. You can find all of our other profiles and where to listen, which Spotify, Apple, Amazon, YouTube, anywhere. iHeartRadio. Yeah, iHeartRadio. 
You have so many opportunities to listen. You should do it. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.